This is Series 3 of Brave New Girl Podcast, and I'm Lou Hamilton, author and illustrator of Brave New Girl, How to Be Fearless, and I welcome you to the stories of real-life Brave New Girls who are creatives, founders, campaigners, health practitioners, and thought leaders who are making a positive impact in the world. This week's guest is Remini Armitage, co-founder of Brilliant and Human, focusing on bringing humanity back into business and helping turn clients into advocates. She's often called the marriage counselor of business, building long-lasting relationships between businesses and their clients that are based on a strong foundation of trust. Welcome, Remini, to Brave New Girl podcast. Hi, Remini. How are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great to see you. You're wearing a lovely bright red top, which is <laughs> it's quite a grey day, so uh, nice to see a nice cheery colour. Oh, thank you. I like, I like a bit of colour. So here we are after a sort of 18 months of very weird time in, in business, in work, in everything really. But I wonder from your perspective that, you know, the turmoil that businesses have been going through and that people in trying to sort of work from home and try and sort of keep tabs on each other and stay connected. What have you seen as the, the real challenges? I think it's that lack of human contact and actually ensuring people are engaging with their teams and with their clients and with each other in a human way and and relying on the dreaded Zoom where we're all a little bit Zoomed out has actually been really important but equally can be a bit overwhelming and people's panic in their own lives and actually not necessarily thinking about and embracing what's happening in other people's lives I think has caused more problems but actually it's important to think about the way people are engaging and how this pandemic and the changes have impacted us all and how as people we can all come together to be better together. And have you found that people who are really struggling have sort of come to you and sort of asked, you know, how, how do we do this? How, <laughs> how can we stay connected? And you know, Zoom, I feel is, you know, we can see each other and, and that's not as bad as not seeing each other, but it still kind of misses the real connection. And so how people manage to do that sort of in teams and, and you know, across the whole business? I think at the heart of it, it needs to be about humanity. And although we're now being connected by technology more, it's making sure that you're proactively trying to be more human with your teams and your clients. And actually thinking about how you can improve people's lives and, uh, and and actually service people better and nurture those relationships without trying to be salesy, without trying to be a boss, without trying to be about business. It's about understanding the day-to-day, what people are going through. Are they ill? Do they have family? That, or have, been, have they been homeschooling? Um, have they lost someone to the pandemic? There's a lot of stress and anxiety and I think recognizing that and embracing the fact that we do need to be human together and have compassion for each other is really important and one of the things you know when I was doing my work during this time you know like a lot of us I lost some clients but I gained some clients but people were coming to me and saying you know help you know I don't know how to be engaging with my clients as you say because 
of the pandemic and everything's changing and I need to ring them up and get business, but that doesn't seem right, etc. And actually what I did and helped them with was speaking to their clients and nurturing those relationships and trying to understand what people's challenges are and how you can help them and also understanding what their clients' or customers' challenges are so that they can help them better. And so, and just by reaching out to people and asking them, how are you? And be nice (laughs) and and be flexible and understand that issues are there for all of us and we're all in fear and flux. But how can we all work together to make things better? And actually, one of the things that I was really surprised at when I was interviewing people and speaking to people and trying to understand the challenges was actually there was a lot of opportunities and people were talking about actually... I'm changing and I'm taking advantage of this and I want to make the most of this. And 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 it was looking at opportunities as opposed to challenges all the time. So it wasn't all negative. It was quite interesting. And I think the flexibility has been an eye-opener for everyone, not least yeah. the, kind of the bosses who, you know, maybe previously would have gone, well, people can't possibly work from home. You know, the, the whole business would fall apart people aren't going to work, they're not going to be responsible, you know, everyone will lose contact, you know, there'll be no culture. And actually, people have managed. And sort of conversely, now where sort of things are slowly going back to maybe how somewhat how they were. And actually, people have been expressing almost dread about going back or fear about going back. And, Mm. and maybe it is that sort of that they've seen a more flexible lifestyle. And going back into the kind of rigors of the nine to five and the commute that maybe they're seeing, oh, maybe that is too tight a sort of boundary around my day and makes things much harder. So how how have you seen people kind of trying to go back into the workplace and maintain some kind of flexibility? I think it's, again, it's about listening and, and keeping hold of that human side and actually talk to your teams, talk to what talk to them to find out what they want, what they feel comfortable with. And, you know, we're all grown-ups. Listen, and actually, I think the teams and the, will say, yes, I might be a bit nervous, but actually, this is how I feel comfortable, or this is how I feel we can improve the business, because everyone wants the businesses to succeed. And if you work for them, hopefully, you're one of those people who want to see them succeed. But so actually, being realistic, and listening and acting on what everyone wants you can start to hopefully meet the needs of your staff while still meeting the needs of your clients because you know if you are nurturing those relationships and actually trying to make your team happy if your teams are happy they're going to make your clients happy which is going to obviously be a good benefit for the business so I think listen to what people are don't don't impose things on your teams see what they want you don't have to act on all of it, but, you know, if you can get a consensus. And also, you know, during the, the the lightening of lockdown, of course, some people are desperate to get back. They live on their own. They're, you know, solo. And actually the idea of working, not working in an office is probably quite terrifying as well. So it's kind of, it's it's meeting different people's needs and, and acting on that and not necessarily, you know, the saying, do as to others as you do unto yourself. It's actually do to others what they want more than what because you have different opinions you're different people so act on the way different people want and 
and try to nurture those relationships internally and externally. I think that people are always almost the trickiest part of a business, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> and so managing the kind of the needs and, and the desires of, of people and the vision and the, and the talents and the skills and all of these things is a kind of tall order. It's that, you know, not everybody is capable of doing that. So some having someone like you who can sort of bridge the gap between mm. people and businesses and teams and clients is a is a sort of quite a innovative and forward thinking way of approaching business and i wonder before we sort of get into how you got there and and what it is sort of exactly that you do in this kind of role of um i don't know marriage counselor <laughs> for businesses <laughs> I, I i wonder whether as a child were you always a sort of peacekeeping kind of gal oh it's an interesting one i I don't think I probably was, <laughs> but when you when I look back at my life, and I, I sort of recognised this about a year ago that it was a very clear path to where I am now. So I, growing up, I went to sixteen different schools all over England and America and back to England. My parents went on holiday when I was eight to the states, and they fell in love with it, decided to stay. They were hippies, and <laughs> that was it. And so we moved all over America, back to England. I went to I went from American state schools to boarding school in Gloucestershire, back to American high school, and then back to England. And so it was a very mixed up life. But my education was making friends with people and nurturing relationships. And I'm still friends with people from every school I went to. And so although it was hard, uh, it sort of made me who I am. And so the heart of who I am is nurturing relationships. And so I think it was more a survival as opposed to being a peacekeeper. It was, you know, how do I make sure these relationships are going to work for me? And that, so I wasn't necessarily the most academic because I had to make friends, but that sort of hit when I went to university. Yeah, I th that's, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Almost like the sort of Pied Piper going from town to town, country <laughs> to country, <laughs> making friends, building relationships. And, you know, and that was obviously a sort of a natural thing for you that came out of a need because you were sort of constantly in a new place. But, you know, what a brilliant skill to to have for down the line. And, as you know, increasingly we we all recognise, and especially after the pandemic, we recognise the need for connections mm. and not just within our immediate community, but actually growing our community across the world. We suddenly feel like we can be global now. Yes, and that is it's so true. And actually, it's that's one of the things that I've really loved about this time is that I've made friends and built relationships around the world. I, I'm working closely with people in Australia now and I'm in various different communities. And And actually, one of the things that I think is so nice when you think about the people is the people in my work are my friends. And I don't feel like it's work in the traditional sense because actually I'm surrounded by people who I like and I want to be around. And although it is like hard work sometimes, it's, you know, there's lots to do. Actually, I know I'm supported by lots of different people who care about me and I trust and they'll tell me as it is, like I will tell them. And I think the the gift of this time is not just the environment, but it's actually the relationships that have probably been built, um, which is a lovely thing. 
I'm I, I'm not I don't know whether everyone's felt that, but it's certainly something I've built some quite strong relationships during this time, and uh, I've been more myself and showed my emotions more. And actually, saying that my friends would laugh at me. I'm always emotional, so. <laughs> 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 now you've got permission to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went off to university, was that the kind of the first time that you were in one place for a period of time? And, and what did you study? What was your kind of idea for your place in the world? Well, I think probably like lots of university students, it changes afterwards. But I went to UCL. I studied history, philosophy and communication of science. And um I, at the time, thought I would do something within museums, so I did a master's in science communication, so the idea of education, educating the public on science and making connections to the social side of it and making it so that it was more accessible to the public and with the stories and that side of it as opposed to the facts. I'm not good with facts, I like stories. Uh, the human side, funnily enough, <laughs> and so I imagined myself working at something like the Science Museum or um, or creating kind of plays around kind of science. And I, that was what my master's was all about, very hands-on, because um, I, I'd worked in museums in just outside Detroit when I lived in Michigan in the States. And I, was, um, I did living history, so I lived in 1760 and 1880. And so my love for that kind of the history and the telling of stories was very... Um, a strong part of me and my my education and upbringing. But I ended up going in a completely different direction and falling into the world of the internet <laughs> um, in 99. So I'm a, I'm a digital dinosaur. Um, and I, I was part of a, a small digital agency uh, of six. And then uh, we built it up to 60. And then I was there for five years. And so, and I was doing everything from project management to consultancy through to marketing and um and so I I jumped into my career suddenly sorry um but it was an unexpected area but then you know the people side of it is still there and and I think and that that science communication explaining to the public about science and the internet it sort of ha- worked hand in hand so I did use my degree sort of <laughs> yeah and that was really early days of of uh digital yes. so what were you aiming for as as an agency i mean you know it's, it's always hard being a pioneer and at the kind of front edge of things because you're educating people about what is to come and you know most people are like well why would i want to do that yes. and and so you're using story to kind of create a vision in people's minds of what of what's possible with digital mm. so what were you aiming for then i remember telling a room full of lawyers what a website was trying to describe it <laughs> and I remember describing it as a it's like a brochure on your computer but it doesn't sit in the corner getting dusty you can change it and and obviously it was explaining to the world and the clients and the potential clients that it was like an arm of your business and it needs to be developing and changing and nurtured all the way through and not just left to rot in the corner and get dusty and so the the vision I suppose was getting embracing technology to enhance people's businesses and obviously that was very early days and uh you know but we we worked for lots of you know charities and some pharmaceutical companies and universities and all sorts so it was quite an interesting time and I was there through the the beginning of the dot-com boom and I would get 
gosh, I would probably field about 10 potential mad ideas a day of people coming up with what could they do on the internet? And then, of course, reality struck and it all exploded. <laughs> so it was it was a very fast-paced time back then. Um, and then I actually, I left after five years to set up my photography business. Um, did that for a couple of years and then thought, I kind of missed the, the agency world and then went back to another agency and worked there for 10 years. So um, doing marketing biz dev. So, I mean, my vision at the time... If I'm being really honest about it, I would probably, it was just, you know, I enjoyed the environment. I enjoyed doing what I did and, you know, mostly on the marketing biz dev side and building those relationships and building the the community around the agency. But being really honest, I think at the time I was probably doing what a lot of people do, which is just living life and it happened around me and I just... I didn't have ambitions to have my own business. It wasn't something that I ever dreamed I would do. It wasn't that I was thought I wasn't capable. I just didn't think of it until I did. And I had a kind of a eureka moment when I was like, right, I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, until up until that point of your eureka moment, you you were working in another agency for a long time. Yes. And agencies, you know, they're fast paced, they're exciting, you know, real challenges, you know, both good and bad, but they can be notoriously toxic <laughs> i'm not quite sure why the agency world is particularly like that maybe maybe most industries have have an element so what was your experience of of that and why do you think that is i mean stress drops pops into my mind i think there's there's such a need to continually get new business which was what i was in charge of and deliver 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 and i think because it was such a especially in the digital world it was such a a new industry that I think there was a lot of businesses, a lot of agencies flying by the seat of the pants, not actually knowing what they were doing, saying yes, 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 when actually they didn't know what they were doing. And of course, that's how you innovate. So that's great. But it causes a lot of stress on the business, on the people, on the visionaries, I think, as well within the digital world. There's a lot of visionaries who, you know, they or, or founders who loved what they do, um, whether or not it's branding or or creation you know technical creation but they're not people people and so they they can do what they do but they can't manage people and so then they build these agencies and they probably get a little bit frustrated by the fact that they're not doing what they love and they're having to manage 10 15 40 plus people and they don't want to be doing that and so I think that causes stress but they're just seeing the bank balance that that needs to grow and and I think it causes a lot of anxiety on every side um and that kind of toxic environment can grow from that you know I had my ups and downs I had some very happy times but I also had some very very stressful times I think the relationships I had were mostly good but for us my last agency you know the moment that kind of for me I'd been there for so long. I'd built, you know, grown a family while I was there and I had a lot of flexibility because I was, you know, I was quite senior. I'd been there for, you know, 10 years. And then finally there was new management came in and they wanted to change things. They didn't like the way I was building the relationships and quote unquote chatting on the phone when actually it was us building relationships. And new kind of stricter measures were being put into place, which I didn't, they didn't fit with my values and my client. I'd set up a client care 
system where people were well, I was interviewing the clients but it was more about that individual clients there was a lot of firefighting and stress within the business and I think it just didn't just didn't feel quite right anymore and change was happening and so I decided it was time to go and do my own thing I mean I'd been there long enough it needed to happen anyway um, but I'm still in touch with the 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 own the previous owner and I'm you know still friends so it's it's not all bad <laughs> I do think these, you know, these pain points do happen in our lives and what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. (laughs) (laughs) But But very often, you know, we find that, you know, in those times as we sort of emerge, we're sort of forced to look at what it is that we want and and how we want to live and what's important to us and you know how can we build our values into what we're doing and mm. and so I, so did you kind of as you were stepping out of that world and and realizing that you know you could actually create something for yourself how did you start to to think oh i think i know what i want to do and i think it is around building relationships and and how did you kind of mold that into something that that could look like a business well when i left i did probably what a lot of people do you know I was offering far more than I should I said I did marketing business development lead generation client care blah 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 so I was a jack of all trades and then um, I started working with uh, Alan Alan Wick who is my coach and um, client and he is he's very very focused on making sure you're focused on the future and actually, he, he says, get to the, the sharp end of the sword. And actually, what is it you're really good at? What do you really love? And what do you really want? And of course, for me, the part that I really love is that building relationships. And it's what I'm good at. And it's what I've done all my life. And so when the, once I started getting that clarity, it was like, oh, wow, actually, this is it. And I was adapting the client care work that I'd done Uh, and put processes in place around that. And it wasn't just about the individual clients. It was about interviewing a number of clients for business and then finding those common themes and the insights that enabled businesses to change So, and develop. So it started out with, I was saying I did client care, but I knew client care wasn't strong enough. It It was a bit too fluffy and nice to have. But actually, it's all about client advocacy and how can you proactively turn your clients into advocates and uh, be more uh, at the heart of that is by being more human and actually listening and hearing and acting on what your clients need and want and and going from there and and in practice what does that actually look like what are you actually doing and how are you relating to these people and and sort of setting up those relationships and setting up the sort of questions and trying to sort of understand what it is that the needs of the clients are how how do you kind of step into that role well with my clients what i what i i say i do is i turn clients into advocates by interviewing your clients and finding out what's working what's not and getting that insight so typically the typical process would be to work out what my client wants and uh, is it about their marketing or their business are the are they losing clients or are they wanting to get better positioned in the market do they need to get new clients whatever it may be and then we put together a list of questions that will hopefully answer that by speaking to their clients 
and then um, sort of typically about 15 questions and dealing it could deal with their teams it can deal with their processes their communication their services opportunities for cross-selling without selling and 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 looking at improvement throughout and so then once we've got that I'll then interview for example 10-15 clients and pull out that insight and because I've worked especially I work with a lot of agencies and uh, different different businesses but agencies mostly and because I've done that work I've been in that world I'm good at understanding what that's happening on that side and equally on the client side and so uh, I take what the clients are saying and I'll put that into a report and then feed back but it's it's about that kind of that human discussion and picking out the the emotion of what their clients are feeling whether it's good or bad and and explaining that to my client and because I'm a safe place I, I'm impartial I don't really I don't have a relationship with either side really uh, I'm people can tell me what they truly think which might be difficult to say to your supplier or your agency because actually it can be quite could be uncomfortable and you don't want to potentially risk a relationship and everything can be confidential so it means that then my clients can understand what their clients are feeling and understand what their needs are and and sometimes it might be an issue I mean I've had a couple of times issues with the owner of the business has cropped up and uh, actually they um, maybe need to take a step back that's happened one of the businesses I worked with Um, or it might be that they just need to adjust the way they're talking to their clients or let someone else deal with it it could be that um their clients again I've had a number of times when I've spoken to people's clients and they're all saying they want one particular new service and it's become really clear that they want something different and then my clients have developed a whole new service or product off the back of what their clients are asking for and one of my clients when we did that um, they were making 40% profit within six months just by listening to what their clients wanted or it might be that there's issues with the back end or and you know the the way uh business is serving their clients and i had one client where the the relationships were actually really poor and the way their clients were being treated and serviced was you know they were getting a 22% um satisfaction rate and uh, they had massive issues and they were over promising under delivering and so when they recognized that and acted on it and tried to improve that within again I within six months they started to improve the relationships I did the interviews again and uh, their their scoring went up to 74 percent which was very satisfying and you know just by listening you can improve so much it's incredible to have that kind of turnaround but for for new business owners sort of contemplating this it can be quite scary and quite often they they're even scared to ask for a testimonial mm. <laughs> let alone actually kind of dig deeper and find out really what's yes. what's what and 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 so how do you get past that initial kind of fear of well you know, we're asking because we want to know, but really we don't want to know because, you know, what is that going to turn up for us that, you know, we're not doing a good job or we're not creating the best environment or we're not 
doing the best for for our clients and and then that requires extra work and then when you know people are stressed and kind of pushed to the edges already that kind of seems like almost an impossible task to mm. to listen and to take on board some new ideas so so how do you kind of introduce someone to that concept and sort of slowly take them by the hand into <laughs> into this into this kind of potentially scary environment yeah I, I, it's, it's a good question I think it is scary it's scary for everyone uh, but it's also quite exciting and when you hear the when you do hear the negative as hard as it can be it can sometimes be the most positive outcome because not only are you hearing that there might be an issue with your communication or a team member or whatever it may be your processes aren't right if you know you can fix it And then if you're accountable to your clients and you tell them that you fixed it because they've said this bit's a bit crap, (laughs) they love you and they appreciate it. And I mean, one of the things that when I've done this, I mean, one of the reasons I love what I do is sometimes I speak to some unhappy clients, you know, they say to me, the fact you're doing this makes us feel listened to, heard. We have so much respect for business who has asked you to do this and we really appreciate it and we we want to feedback because we want things to be better and so as hard as it is to hear it sometimes actually giving your clients the chance to feedback is positive some some relationships aren't you can't save but you know I I have helped save a number of relationships but it's not also it's not necessarily about the bad relationships or the bad it's actually what's the good and and how great some people are, and and you can use it to boost your teams because you're hearing wonderful things about particular people, and and you know, or it can help you with how can you position yourself in the market, and by listening to your clients and getting those words, and what makes you special. A lot of businesses find it hard to differentiate themselves, and actually, once they've heard from their clients why they're bought from them and why they love them. You can then put that all into your marketing. And then testimonials, that's another one, is I'd say 80% of the time, the feedback I get, I'll always say, you know, you've given me some great feedback. Can we use some of this as a testimonial? And they'll always say yes. And so it's a great way of getting amazing testimonials. And for the unhappy clients, it's an opportunity to have an honest conversation with them and proactively try and turn it around. And then you've saved that relationship. You might want to fire that client as well because they might be total gits. (laughs) And I have fed that back as well because sometimes clients can be awful. And, you know, why are businesses wasting their time with awful clients? Work with who you want to work with. It goes both ways. Mm. And so, yeah, it it, it can be intimidating, but it's also the at-risk clients can be the biggest gifts because... You can turn them into really loyal clients if you turn you know turn it around. I mean, normally what I do is when I've done the first set of interviews, I'll follow up six months or a year later to to make sure that the my clients are acting on and you know they're being accountable to their clients and the clients love it because they know that they're being heard unless they're not and then then you've got to really <laughs> then you've got a problem. Oh, yeah, you've got to follow up if you've asked, haven't you? You've got to. Then yes, kind of yes. act on on the res- the results and the feedback that you've received. Yes, but I like yes. the the idea that you know when people tell you what you're doing well, 
because quite often, as you say, we're, we're not always entirely sure because most of us are doing so much, you know, what bits of what we do are working well and, and how can we then mm. kind of make our message clearer through, through all our messaging and our marketing. And, and as you say, when, when the feedback is, is not positive, then that's an opportunity to kind of take a look at yourselves and go, okay, well, you know, what, what do we need to change? Is this, is this really important to us? Mm. You know, if, if the client has got the similar values and, and is, you know, you're, you're trying to sort of aim for the same things then you know, that's good to know, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's that it's acting on it and and embracing it. And yeah, I think it's it's a really important side of it. And it's something you can put in your proposals as well. And, you know, actually tell people you speak to your clients and you nurture those relationships and you're accountable to your clients. I think it's a selling point because, you know, and also if you are being human and engaging with your clients and you put I mean, the other thing I'll help people do is put processes into place to look at those human contacts that they're having and how can that be improved and what can be done to proactively try to turn your clients into advocates they might be really unhappy so they're going to be far off from being an advocate but actually you know plot it and look at which stage you can improve things and actually understand what it is you can do to make things better it's listening and hearing and understanding what the needs of your clients are and the same as your teams as well it's just about people it's actually you know it's good to do that with your teams as well and actually you know whether you like whether your teams or your clients are not happy or happy often what I find is that there's similar messages coming from every corner that you can then act on because the people who love you want you to do better so they'll give you tips for things that you could do better which is good to hear as well. So it's getting that balance. So your business is called Brilliant and Human, which is a great title. And you sort of do, you are sort of acting as this sort of marriage counsellor in in a way. (laughs) So what are your your aims and values? And and what kind of tips would you give to, to people who are sort of listening to this and thinking, oh, that's I like that idea. How how do I either employ you or sort of try and bridge the gap with with my clients and and get you know proper real feedback well the first the first your your first question was what's my my purpose my core purpose is I want to bring humanity back into business so by being human you can be more brilliant (laughs) and by engaging with people you can bring back that humanity in a in a nicer way so much automation in the world yes it's useful but don't forget to pick up the phone occasionally. Don't forget to reach out and and actually just communicate with people better in a more human way. Um, and so, un- unsurprisingly, my you know my values are kind of humanity, honesty, and and brilliance. You know, constantly look for improvements and strive for excellence and and be accountable and be brave. And so, those are my kind of values and my my purpose. Um, and and as far as tips go, I think. There's three things that when I'm interviewing people's clients that comes up again and again. So I would say for any business, whatever you do, the three things, if you can try and improve, um, you can you can only improve the business. And the three things are proactivity, processes and communication. So if you can look at how you can improve your communication with your clients and your teams, talk to people more, engage more, listen 
that's that's one thing. Be proactive with it. So don't necessarily just be reactive with your clients. Proactively think about how you can improve the relationship or the work you're doing or whatever it may be. Think proactive. And then again, underlying all of that, of course, is processes. How What processes can you improve? So I would say to the businesses that taking those three things, if you look at your typical client journey and when are you engaging with your clients and can you add to that or can you maybe take away some of that is if you were looking at how you're communicating with people what those processes are and are you being proactive with all of that uh, at those core points of engagement then that would be a good start Um, put processes into place whereby you are ideally interviewing your clients and whether or not it's with someone internal that isn't engaged directly with your clients or someone like me as an external, totally impartial person to interview your clients. Um, Have it so it's a regular thing every six months, every year to make sure that you're talking to your clients and getting that feedback and and then act on it. And and it should be an evolving process of improvement. So and those are those would be my kind of my biggest points. And ultimately be more human. You know, talk to people, be nice, be flexible and and be caring. I've I've just taken a sabbatical off social media and so I'm now I've kept up with with LinkedIn, but sort of coming back into it much more intentionally, I've been much more aware about creating relationships and and being engaging in a kind of different way. So for your clients and their sort of reaching out on social media or LinkedIn or those kind of other sort of communication channels in order to bring people into their world to then become clients, how best do they reach out in a human way and and communicate and engage in a human way? That's such an interesting question. From my own perspective, I sound like a broken record, be more human, um, I, for me, when I write things on social media, I mean, honestly, the one I use the most is is LinkedIn for professional. I use Facebook all the time for myself. But when I write and when my clients write things that are just business focused and more salesy, but not it doesn't have to be salesy, but almost the more professional, the less engagement it gets, the more human, story led and real and not polished, I get much more engagement. It amazes me how that works, you know. So it's kind of, yes, the ones that are the, you know, have have good imagery that's human and nice and real and and then stories and things that can people can relate to as people, not as a business person. Don't sell, uh, uh, you know, if you can avoid it. I think it's just people will, I think you need a presence but it needs to be about you and your personality and the business's personality and the people. Because people work with people and, you know, people don't want to be sold out. I mean, I've been in sales for 20 years <laughs> and it's, it's about that human relationship, which is what's important. And as we move forward into a sort of more fluid way of working, what is your sort of vision for the future in terms of business and humanity? Well, I, as I said before, my, my, my purpose is to bring humanity back into business. And, and as much as I've come from a tech digital world, 
it's very important, but I think you, we need to make sure that businesses have got the human element as core to everything they do. And being proactively engaging in a human way is so important with your teams and your clients and your suppliers. And and I want to I want to set up. So my vision is to set up a like a human standard whereby businesses will strive to show that they're being human, that they are engaging with people in a human way, they're being accountable to their people, whether that's teams or clients or suppliers. And then hopefully people will want to work with the more human businesses because as much as, as I say, tech certainly supports it. But I think don't forget the the people in the businesses. So in everything that you've learned and, and all of your experiences, and, you know, we do see that for business owners, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to to do what they're doing and, and then to find out, you know, the truth behind, you know, what their clients are feeling and, and I guess their staff and their teams. How do you define courage? So the word that popped into my head when you asked that was, was honesty and trust. And, and I think by being honest with yourself and with other people in everything you do, that takes courage. <laughs> But you can grow from it and you can learn from it. And if you can take that honest approach with people, whether or not people want to hear it necessarily, you can be nice about it. But I think honesty and accepting honesty is uh, probably the biggest part of courage. Thank you, Remini, for being an ambassador for humanity and business and for bridging the gap between the bottom line and the brilliance created from harmonious alliances and client advocacy. Thank you so much. It's been really fascinating. And I'm going to take what you've talked about and and use it in my agency. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in real life very soon. I hope so. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Remini, for showing us how we can create relationships in business that are both human and brilliant in order that together we may thrive. You can find out more about Remini's work on www.brilliantandhuman.com and follow her on LinkedIn at Remini Armitage Royal. Thanks to Silk Studios for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Take care, choose courage and see you next week.